Hey, Ed, come check out my North Star Christmas tree topper at Levitate's. Is this a gummy bear? Yeah, we lost baby Jesus. Hey, check out these LED lights. I have them synced up to a 76-hour all-Christmas music playlist. There's my little Christmas DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you waiting till Christmas is over so you can go buy a new nativity set when they're on sale? Huh? No, no, oh no. We lost baby Jesus like 11 years ago. Is, is baby Jesus always a gummy bear? Oh, no, oh, we trade it out every year. Yeah, like uh, last year it was a uh, tiny troll doll. <laughs> and the year before that we used a uh, dog treat. They were the perfect size, but <laughs> Dalton kept taking them and eating them. You, you mean your dog kept stealing them? No, my son Dalton, he loves those dog treats. Especially the peanut butter ones. There was one year that we used a, uh, a doll head. That was creepy. We, we made a modeling clay, baby Jesus. So the dog took that one too. Um, one year we got desperate and used an ice cube. That was a miss and a mess. Yeah, just seems like everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never lasts. Say that again. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to last. And? And what? Say it again, slowly. Why? Just do it, dulcimo, slowly, do it. I don't understand what's happening. Just do it. This is getting weird. Say it! Fine! But when I'm done saying this, you're gonna march in here and you're gonna watch my star levitate. Fine, 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 do it. Fine. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to, oh, yep, there it is. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to last. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to last, does it? So true for his little gummy bear in the manger and so true in our life and even we try to, you know, fill our lives with things of the world, with things that we think are going to satisfy us, things we think are going to make us happy. Essentially, things in our life, <clears throat> we're filling our lives with things in place of baby Jesus. And how's that working out for us? Dr. Phil would say, how's that working out for you? Not good. Not good. It doesn't work. It doesn't last. The things of this life that are temporary, the things of this uh, world just cannot in any way, shape, or form, hold a candle to the glorious Savior and King that Jesus is. He is everything, and He changes everything, and we try to replace Him with some little <clears throat> toy or trinket, and it just does not work. And sometimes, um, you know, that's what we're going to talk about today, the ugly sweater actions. We've been talking about ugly sweater Christmas this month. That's our ugly sweater actions coming out, trying to replace Jesus with other things in our life. Other times, our ugly sweater actions come out uh, when we're driving on the road and we do that road rage thing and we get upset, the, the traffic, and they're not driving fast enough. Rachel said last night, Dan, do you want me to drive home from Chris's party or do you want to drive fast? Like, get to get there really slow or like your speed? And I said, I'll drive. People not driving the speed you want in front of you your wife not driving the speed you want. 
How about at the store, right? Where we've got these, oh, last minute shopping and you see all the movies and maybe you've been at the store where there's just a mob of people and they're fighting and they're arguing over these toys and these trinkets and this technology and there's everybody's trying to get the sale on Black Friday or the week before Christmas. Oh my goodness. I was uh, out on the west side Thursday and I was uh, leaving Panera after I got my free coffee. Anyway, so I went out to Chipotle, got some lunch for Rachel and I was on my way. Holy cow, these cars were lined up all the way back from uh, trying to get into uh, the is it Main Street? And so I was like, okay, I'll go by Meyer. So I went by Meyer, and I tried to go out by those tire stores, and it was backed all the way up to the front of Meyer. <clears throat> I'm like, holy cow, what are you people doing? Wait until a couple of days before to get your Christmas presents, and they were probably getting their bread and milk, you know, from the storm coming. And so I went around over, not quite by Culver's, but over past Chipotle by the light, and then I turned right, because I don't want to wait 20 minutes. This traffic is crazy. And I didn't get any ugly sweater actions welling up in me. I was just like aghast. These people are uh, crazy. Just so much Christmas craziness can bring out the worst in us, can bring out our ugly sweater actions and make us lose it. Maybe it's when you're at the family party and you see these people that you're upset with, the crazy Uncle Eddie's of the world, and you just get so frustrated with the family, and you want to do the ugly actions to them to make them hurt like they've hurt you. And uh, if you don't have an ugly, excuse me, an Uncle Eddie, a crazy Uncle Eddie in your life, then maybe you're the crazy Uncle Eddie. That's all I'm saying. Maybe people look at you and they see you coming and they think you're the crazy Uncle Eddie. Maybe it's your friends or your co-workers and you just kind of you get ugly with them. Your actions, this is the things like we've been talking all month. The things that come out of your mouth to the people around you, the things that you do, are they beautiful things? Are they God-like, Jesus-like things? Or are they ugly sweater things? Are you being ugly and not representing God very well to the people around you? If you're human, the answer is yes, more often than I would want. But we want to grow in that. We want to grow in becoming more like Jesus, uh, becoming more beautiful for him instead of ugly. But it doesn't happen by accident. You don't just wake up one morning and you're like, wow, I'm not mean anymore. I used to be snotty with my wife. I used to, you know, be sarcastic and berate my coworkers and do all these things. I used to flip off. My finger, you know, in traffic, and I just magically, no, you gotta, like, it's an intentional thing. You gotta be deliberate to grow in these areas. We gotta work on ourselves sometimes. We're all a work in progress, uh, some more than others. We won't name any names, Hallie, but we're all a work, just picking on you because you're fine. We're all a work in progress, but we wanna grow a little bit more beautiful each day, more like Jesus. And leave our ugly sweaters behind. And I think a big step in starting this change, you can write this down if you have your notes, is uh, the, to understand, oh, here's her ugly sweater. She's giving me a signal. Uh, to understand that we're responsible for choosing our outfit each and every day. You can write that down. I know you're like, obviously, unless your wife pick out, picks out your clothes. Rachel helps me match sometimes, but... 
<laughs> Not this morning. She did. She said, Dan, really? Pajamas? I don't know. I said, I told him to wear ugly sweaters and pajamas. It's the only Sunday I can get away with it. And my Christmas socks. Don't y'all like my Christmas socks? Woo! Woo! I will be back in appropriate attire next week. But we are responsible for choosing, here's this word, choosing our quote-unquote outfit, not your physical clothes, but our spiritual outfit each and every day. Turn with me to Colossians, chapter 3 in the New Testament. There's a little book called Colossians. After Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians. We're getting to some smaller books. Philippians, Colossians. Paul wrote this letter to a church. He was making a, a plea for these followers of God to reorient their lives, get rid of the ugly sweaters, so to speak, and to make their lives more beautiful, to be countercultural because of who Jesus was, is, what Jesus did in their life. He's calling them to live differently because of what Jesus did and who he is. And so he's saying the same to us. Colossians 3, verse 12. Paul says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, not perfect, but we are holy, we must, here it is, clothe yourselves. You're putting on this, these clothes. Are you putting this on every day? Compassion. Thinking about other people. So the empathy, kindness, humility, gentleness, strength under control, right? Gentleness and patience. Are you putting on those clothes every morning? Compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. Should we ask the people in your house if you put those attributes on every morning? What would they say? <laughs> ah, make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Wow, they could whole, preach a whole sermon on that. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself, here it is again, clothe yourselves above all things with what? Love, which binds us together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, as is, uh, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always... Be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Does the message about Christ and all its richness fill your life? Teach and counsel each other uh, with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, that includes a lot, doesn't it? Whatever you do or say, pretty much everything. Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We are God and Jesus' representatives in the world. Is everything you do or say representing Jesus well? And we all go, I try. Sometimes. Some days better than others. Depends on the person, <laughs> right? And their ugly actions towards me. I know we're all getting there, but we want to be growing in beautiful, life-giving words like Rachel talked about, life-giving actions, life-giving motives, life, uh, a beautiful everything, every part of our lives. Or when people see you coming, do they just expect 
ugly words and ugly actions to come out of you. They just know what's going to happen. And they brace. They kind of flinch. This person is going to hand it to me. They're upset. And selfish. We can be so selfish sometimes. Our actions, we just... mm. Our world is so self-focused. We talked about that last week. We need to grow in humility and not just be so self-centered, but to consider other people, not just ourselves. I know it's tough some days. And uh, I know it's hard. But know that life doesn't just happen to you. You are not just a victim. And you don't get to say, oh, Oh, I just woke up. Yeah, all these things happened to me. Somebody else picked out my clothes this morning. Metaphorically, spiritually. And because of, they made me do it. They made me mad. It's their fault. They get the blame. I'm not this way because of me. I'm this way because of what they said, what they did. You can't control them. You are not in charge of their attitude, their words, their actions. But you and I are in charge of ourselves. And we get that daily, moment by moment, hour by hour choice. They're acting like that. They're going off, flying off the handle. How am I going to respond? We don't get to choose what they do, but we get to choose our response. Don't we? It's our choice. And so many times we just, we we pass the buck and we... uh, Finger point, and we blame shift. Well, I know I said those things, but I know I did that terrible thing, but it wasn't my fault. I didn't mean to. Oh, you should have seen what they did to me. Okay, just the buck stops with us. No matter what the people around us do, we are personally responsible to put on our own spiritual outfit. Are we going to clothe ourselves with compassion, humility, grace, patience, Kindness, mercy, gentleness, love? Or are you and I going to clothe ourselves with every morning wrath and grudges and bitterness and unforgiveness and hate and just wanting to hurt other people for what they've done to us? Just upset at the world. It is our choice. We get to pick our behavior. We get to pick it, not anybody else. This is not on your spouse. This is not on your boss. This is not on your, your co-workers. This is not on your neighbors. This is not on your in-laws. Right, Debbie? Amen. <laughs> Just because you have a grouchy, good-for-nothing mother-in-law who is not my mother-in-law. I'm talking about other people's mother-in-laws. <laughs> that does not give you license to act the way you do. I have one of the best mother-in-laws in the world. And I have to say that because she's here. So. <laughs> well, she takes Rachel with her when she leaves. So. <laughs> but that, Paul uses these words. He's talking about getting dressed. He's talking about putting on these clothes. He uses this Greek word, this little Greek word, um, enduo. Enduo. And it, it literally means... Um, I lost it here. It it means to to put on, to sink into, to clothe yourself with something. And so, you know, what we do every morning is we put on, hopefully not your robe, I guess, but this is what I thought I'd do instead of 
putting on extra clothes. So we put on what we choose to put on. You're not waking up blindfolded in the dark going, what am I going to wear today? You, You walk out the house with pants on your top and shirts on your bottom and on your legs and you know, mismatched socks and a shoe on your head. No. You, you turn the lights on and you see what you're doing, hopefully, and you, one sleeve after the other, one foot after the other, you put on your clothes. And Paul says, you know, think about that. In the morning. Because I used to put on clothes back then too. And Paul's saying, look, as you're putting on your clothes, think about that. Think about putting on and like our spiritual armor, but putting on the things of God, putting on, clothing ourselves with gentleness and humility and patience and love and kindness. Are you putting on these things and walking out of the house with them on? Or are you putting on wrath and slander and hate and anger and malice and unforgiveness and you're walking out of the house just mad at everybody around you? What are you putting on? What are you picking out to wear spiritually in your heart every day to orient yourself uh, with that attitude, with those motives? Because we talked about a few weeks ago, our words, right? Our ugly words. What's in our heart comes out of our mouth. And so we need that time in the morning. We need to orient ourselves with God and Jesus so that We are clothed with His power and His Spirit inside of us, ready to face the world, whatever comes our way, and ugliness will come our way. People will be ugly to you. Just expect it. Sometimes we're shocked. I can't imagine that they would do that. Are we not aware that the world is a sinful place filled with chaos and destruction and hurt and pain and suffering? We should not be shocked that people are evil to each other. That should be expected. What is kind of shocking is when people respond to the evil with good. Is when people clothe themselves with humility and righteousness and love and grace and peace and all the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's unexpected. That's not normal in our world today. That's kind of weird. When somebody's upset at somebody else and instead of throwing a punch back or getting upset with them, they instead say, hey, what's really going on? Let's, and they show them love. And maybe try to heal some hurt in their life because hurt people hurt people, don't they? And maybe that person's going through some stuff right now that you could help with instead of just lashing back out at them with ugly actions. Maybe they need some of your clothing. Maybe we could say maybe we share some of our clothing with them. Some of our spiritual clothing. Pass on that grace and humility Patience, love, the hope and joy and peace of Christmas and of all year that we have with Jesus. Our world is in needing of hope and joy and love and peace more than ever before. And you, Paul says, as his representative, we get the high honor of sharing Jesus and his love and what he did with the world around us. What are we doing with that opportunity? 
Are we just sloughing it off? Are we just leaving Jesus at home in a box? Metaphorically? Are you taking Him with you? You clothe every part of yourself from head to toe. You're wearing that Christmas hat, Brandon, you know, down all the way to your socks. Are you clothing yourselves in Christmas, in Christ, with the things of Jesus? And seeking to love the world and give it hope like He did 2,000 years ago, like He does in our lives every day. But no more excuses. No more finger pointing, no more blaming. The buck stops with us. We live in a world, I'm telling you. I see this all the time, everywhere. I know you do too. People taking responsibility and just shoving it off on other people. If people would just take responsibility for their words and their actions, this world would be totally different. And if every Christian would take responsibility for their words and their actions. But no. It's their fault. I'm a victim. They made me do it. They made me mad. No. We get to choose our actions. Choose our response. What are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? Huh. We try to teach our kids this behavior, don't we? We teach our kids, you are responsible for your actions. Gideon, Raya, Mara, Ellie, right? We tell this to our kids. And hopefully they grow up to be adults who are responsible for their actions because Lord knows if a kid never gets any consequences, is that helpful or hurtful? Oh man, it can damage a kid and a, when they work at a job for a little bit or get married to a spouse and they're selfish and never anything their fault. When they end up in political office and it's always the other person's fault. <laughs> we teach responsibility to our kids and then we as adults too easily go, oh, it wasn't me. Oh, they made me do it. It's the world. It's the boss. It's the thing. It's the spouse. She, she's on my nerves and Stop. Can we just say, Dan is responsible for Dan. And I get to choose uh, what I'm clothing with myself with every day. My actions, my attitudes, my behavior, my choices. How I treat my coworker, How I treat my spouse. How I treat my crazy Uncle Eddie coming over for Christmas. How I treat my mother-in-law. How you treat your dog or your cat or whatever. What are you clothing yourself with? I hope and I pray that it's love and joy and and peace. And that uh, we, we grow in not... We decrease in ugliness and grow in beauty. Don't you want that for yourself? Not just physically, but spiritually. Boy, how much work do people do on physical beauty? Anti-aging creams. They got their makeup and their mascara and they're putting this crazy thing on their face scaring their husbands at night. Like, oh, what's that green stuff on your face? You're an alien? Rachel doesn't do that. Doing all, you know, dyeing our hair and, I don't know, doing all kinds of stuff on our physical body, trying to stop the aging process, trying to, beautify ourselves because we want to appear a certain way. We don't want to be ugly. How about we spend some time 
on spiritually beautifying ourselves. That's what we really need to spend time on. That's the eternal things. Spend time on spiritually beautifying ourselves, not being ugly sweaters to the world around us, but being something beautiful, representative of God and Jesus. I'll share with you this story. The short story of the Christmas crab. I've been looking forward to sharing this story for quite some time. So we were in Amish country with Rachel's mom, who happens to be here today. We were in Amish country, and we went to this one shop, because that's what you do in Amish country, you eat and shop, right? And or this is earlier this year, and we were in this uh, store, filled. I mean, it was just all Christmas ornaments. I don't know if anybody has ever been there. The store is all ornaments, all year long. And we went into this store, and of course, see, why would you put breakable things next to the ground where kids can grab them, and Rachel had to name our kid Gideon, which means mighty warrior or mighty destroyer. So for five years, he's been living out this namesake, mighty destroyer. And we, we joke around, but, you know, kids break a lot of things. And everything that Gideon's touch, you know, sometimes was a Midas touch. Everything he touched turned to gold. Everything Gideon touches tends to break. So Gideon, you know, he's excited about this, uh, these ornaments, and he's bringing them to us. And he brings us this crab. And I'm like, Okay, why would somebody want to put a crab in a Christmas tree? That seems ugly and, and silly. Maybe they're going for a beach Christmas. I don't know. But, and, you know, then promptly drops it, of course. And these legs, I saved these legs. You, oh, and they had these signs up everywhere. You break it, you buy it. You break it, you buy it. And I'm like, Gideon, no, 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 no. Oh, no. So here he is. And he broke it. And at this point, I've got a couple options. Right? Do I embrace my sinful nature and just kind of kick it under a shelf over here? And, you know, they, they'll, they'll find it later. And I don't want to pay $13 for a Christmas crab. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? This is so ugly. This is so dumb. You know, we could say, oh, Gideon, just shh, you know, don't. Don't tell anybody. Don't, don't tell a co-worker. We'll just hide it back here in the corner and put some on top of it. Maybe nobody will notice. Let's run out of the store. I have a choice. We all have tons of choices every day. Whether to embrace that sinful, ugly nature or whether to embrace the, uh, the beautiful nature, the Jesus nature. So, well, Rachel's giving me the eye and she's like, Dan, you know, we need to pay for that. So... I use it, we use it as a learning opportunity. And, uh, you know, the cost of doing the right thing, like literally. There's this verse in Proverbs, um, comes to mind. Or, oh, People who conceal their sin will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Do I want to receive mercy? Do I want to prosper? Right. So we're living at this verse. We take it down to the cash register and I go, my son, and she's like, oh, I get it. Kids do that all the time. I'm like, but why would you put breakable stuff? Like, put the squishy things at the bottom and this at the... Anyway. So here we did and we taught the kids a little lesson. Uh, tried to teach them about responsibility. Like, I want my kids to grow up to be responsible adults. And if they break something, they should fix it. If you do something 
you know, you want to try to right the ship and make things better for what you did. But we wrestle with that. We struggle with those two natures, don't we? The ugliness and the beauty. I told you a story a couple weeks ago about Disney World and how I got kind of ugly there. But we had a, a, a good moment, a beautiful moment at Amish country where we got this dumb little Christmas crab. And hopefully, you know, maybe just over time, the kids will remember some things like this and they'll grow into responsible uh, adults who, boy, a lot of kids today, a lot of young people growing up, they call them Peter Pans, right? Boys who can shave, living in their parents' basement until they're 35 years old. I don't want to work. I don't want to be a responsible husband or, or parent. I'll just slough off the rest of my life. Responsibility is a problem in our world today, and, and I want our kids to be a little different. And I hope you do too, but it starts with us. It starts with us clothing ourselves with Christmas crabs. Oh. What, what would be the, the Jesus thing to do in this situation? It's something we can ask all the time. Not just on Sunday mornings. Not just on Christmas. What, you know, if we're clothing ourselves with humility, what's the most gracious, kind, compassionate, humble, loving thing to do in whatever situation it is? In this situation in my life. For the people who are around me. So... In this instance, Gideon broke something and we ponied up the dough. And now it's a reminder in our house of Gideon's destruction. I mean, of God's grace in our lives and how you know we were ugly, we were broken, we were far from him, and yet he picked us up and he, he paid the price for us. I'm just thinking through this right now. With Jesus, and that's great. And he turned something beautiful, uh, something ugly into something beautiful. So whenever you... Come to our house. You want to stop by and just see if you can find the Christmas crab on our tree. And he's missing a couple of legs here from Mr. Gideon and Amish country. I can see you wearing a sweater like that. <laughs> wearing a, a crab sweater? Yeah. That wouldn't put it past me. If you find one, let me know. I just see a bunch of cats, you know. Nancy got a cat sweater for today, but it's too cold. She says she'll wear it next week so you can look for that. No crab sweaters I've seen, though. So that is the story of the Christmas crab. And life's full of uh, learning opportunities. Life's full of growing opportunities for you and me. And this isn't complex. You know, it's just grow in love. Like this is the very basics of the Christian life that we want to put on this outfit of humility and grace, and patience, and kindness, and mercy, and compassion, and love to the world around us. What are you clothing yourselves with? Hmm? What have you been clothing yourselves with lately? You can think about it. Rhetorical question. You don't got to shout it out. But are you displaying to the world more ugliness than beauty? More grumpiness than... Gratefulness, more hatred and, and anger because somebody cuts you off in the line or the road or they said something or your friend, your family, you, you got this clash and the party and the co-worker and you're just, every time I see them, I want to wring their little neck. What are you showing to the world? Are, are you lighting up the world for Jesus? 
Or are you and I contributing to making the world a darker place? I hope this morning, this week, this year, this next year, uh, that we seek to bring light and love into the world instead of ugliness and darkness. Last thought, you can write this down. Why are we doing all this? Because love is an action verb. You don't just say you love somebody and then do nothing about it. Rachel, I love you. Let's get married. And then I never like serve her or come home for decades. I never do anything nice. I never bring her chocolates or daisies or uh, dark chocolate. You know, I never pick up my socks for her. That's her job. She's my personal maid. No. You love somebody. You follow it up with actions. That's the goal. Love is an action verb. If you tell somebody you love them, and then act all ugly towards them. What's that telling them? What's that communicating? Not that you love them, I'll tell you that. We're going to read one last passage, because it's Christmas, Matthew chapter 1. If you want to read with me, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1. Paul said to the Colossians, above everything else, all these things I listed, love. Clothe yourselves with love. And uh, that's what binds us together in perfect harmony. And love is what God uh, perfectly modeled through Jesus, his representative uh, in the world, everything he did. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Included this. Can't get away from Christmas without reading this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, well, she was still a virgin. She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him what? Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is as close a representative as you could ever get to knowing what God is like. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, as did he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have relations with her until her son was born. Truly a miraculous child, and Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph named him Jesus. That was the moment, I think they say in a song, love came down. That love came down. God didn't just say, I love you guys, good luck, stop sinning, and you're going to be with me, please. Hope it works out. He said, I love you so much that I'm going to make a way for you to come back to me. You were separated by your sin, but I am giving you Jesus to build a bridge to bring you back. If you surrender your life to him and give him your sins, he will give you his life. And so love came down. Going from the manger to the cross to the tomb and then, oh, that's not the end of the story. We have an empty tomb. We'll tell you about it in a few weeks, a few months, if you come back for Easter and every day in between. I hope you do. Every Sunday in between. But this is 
how love came down, and he wasn't just a baby, he grew up to save the world from their sins. Everyone who trusts and believes in him. Uh, John says it this way, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave his only begotten son. He did this action that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Love is an action verb. God doesn't just say, I love you. He shows it. He shows his love through Jesus and salvation. And one day, Jesus will come back. Not a fairy tale. You can take that to the bank. This is a truth. They call it the kingdom of God. Jesus will return. That baby in a manger grew up, lived perfect, holy, obedient life, died for our sins in our place to give us life. It starts today, goes on forever, and it'll find fulfillment when he returns and sets up God's kingdom here on the earth with no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, no more death. Won't that be the best day ever, Troy View? The best day ever! Thank you, Jesus! Nobody, just me. Thank you, Jesus! Man, this is what life is all about. This is what Christmas is all about. And nothing, 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 once you give your life to Jesus, could ever separate you from His love. I want to read this. Romans 8, Paul says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever, ever, ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's our hope. That's our joy. That's God's love that came down to us, manifested, represented in Jesus and His life and His death and his resurrection, not just saying he loved us, but putting that action behind it. And we, as his followers, are called to do the same. He's our example. You know what Christian means? What does the word Christian mean? Christ follower. follower. Literally, it means little Christ. They use it as a derogatory term to the first Christians. And then they're like, you know what? I kind of like the sound of that. I like the ring of that. We'll go with Christian. We'll go with Christian. Little Christ. We are called to show the world that we are little Christ. Not that we're perfect, but that He is. And that He loves us so much that He would do anything for them to be saved and to have abundant life too. And I hope and pray that as we clothe ourselves with this humility and compassion and grace and kindness and mercy and love and humility that we shine a light for Jesus like a city on a hill. And, and show other people His love. We can talk a good game. We can say I love you to our spouse or our kids. I wouldn't say it to your boss necessarily. But, but we can say all the things in the world. But if we don't back that love up with our actions, it doesn't amount to much. It's pretty worthless to say I love you and then do nothing about it or do the opposite and be ugly towards people. So let's clothe ourselves 
with what God and Paul and Jesus have called us to, to be the little Christ in the world and to show His love to a, a hurting, desperate, broken, needy world around us. We're going to sing our last song. I hope and pray that our deeds follow our words, that we have beautiful words, beautiful actions, beautiful attitudes, and uh, uh, beautiful motives, and that we're following what we're saying, what we're professing. You know, it's easy to say, I trust in you, Jesus. I believe in you. But Paul says not everybody, well, maybe not Paul, it's a revelation. Everybody, not everybody who confesses with their lips, but doesn't live out the Jesus life, not everybody will be saved. It's easy to say something. But it's our life, it's our actions that actually shows what we truly believe, whether you're loving your spouse or care for your boss or your kids. It's easy to say, Merry Christmas. And I love Jesus, but it's harder to live our lives as beautiful um, lights to the world, full of love and joy and hope and peace. But I hope that we grow in that every day and that we make uh, our words, our, our love into an action verb, just like God did for us through His Son, Jesus the Savior. Jesus. Well, he lived out that word love, didn't he? John 15. There is no greater love than this, that someone would lay down their life for a friend. Jesus. There is no greater Savior. There's no other Savior at all. He's the only one who was perfectly obedient and who could die in our place. And so He did. To show us how much He loved us. How much did He love us, Troy View? This much, right? He stretched out His arms and He said, I love you this much. And He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And so He died for us. And we want to give Him our life. Let's give Him our life. Troy View, let's stand and sing to the Savior who gave His death for us so that we could give our lives to Him.
The shepherds lost their flocks by night to see this baby wrapped in light. The host of angels led them all to you've done and all that you promised you'd do through your son Jesus. We love you, we trust in you, and we are eagerly expecting the day. Uh, Just like they were expecting the baby Jesus for thousands of years, we're eagerly expecting his return. And we cannot wait until the day that he comes back to earth and there will be no more sickness or sorrow or pain or death or tears or crying anymore. Because your perfect kingdom with no sin will be set up, will finally be fulfilled. Till that day comes, God, this world's tough. I pray you give us courage and strength and wisdom for each day that you would uh, live in us and through us, empower us to be your people, doing what you called us to do and saying what you called us to say so that other people can know how awesome and powerful you are, God. And that you gave them your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Trevor Church, everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.